Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Coaching Call podcast. On this podcast, we'll cover various types of coaching by trainers in sports, martial arts, fitness, and business. We'll discuss each coach's methods to getting the most out of their respective athletes or clients and how they attempt to change the platform in which they coach. Join us on a fun adventure as we discuss unique coaching styles. We've all been coached before, in school, at work, or on a team. Your first coaches were your mom and dad who taught you how to communicate, tie your shoes, or play a simple game of catch. Coaching is a universal part of how we get others to get something done. Join your host, Raphael, and his guests on this unique journey in coaching. Hi, I'm Sifu Raphael, and this is the Coaching Call Podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoy my show, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. Yeah, the best thing I could advise is be truthful to yourself. If you know where you are in your leadership journey, if you're struggling, look, raise your hand just like we did in school and say, I need help. I cannot keep doing this. I'm hurting people. I'm destroying careers. I'm hurting myself. Um, Ask for help. Don't be egotistical. Welcome back to the Coaching Call Podcast. My guest is Enrique Acosta Gonzalez. Over the past 20 years, Enrique has held numerous executive advisor and senior leadership positions while serving in the United States Navy and civilian sector. Good morning. Good morning. Enrique, thank you so much for joining me on Coaching Call. How are you today? Absolutely. I'm doing great. But hey, I want to talk about that T-shirt that says sexy on it. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You know, one of the things that that we think about, right, when we even think about the word sexy, Mm -hmm. right, we all have a different interpretation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because somebody can look at, at at a table and go, that's a sexy table. Right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Or they can look at a human being and say that too. But it's yeah. funny. It, 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 it all kind of goes back to the contours, right? right. That <laughs> table can be nice, you know, and, and other people use it for other things. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, wow, you are really doing dynamic and extraordinary things not only in podcasting, but in, in in general with leadership, how you help people elevate. Let, let's let's talk about also, you know, and I want to thank you for your service. You know, you were in the Navy for, I think, a billion years. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right? <that way. laughs> but everything, and I always talk about our actions today reflect our tomorrows, right? Mm. You've gone through so much training. You've helped other people. You understand what commitment is and so many people still don't right and people are sometimes even afraid of commitment so before we get into the nitty-gritty of of who you are today let's find out who you were as a kid right Mm. who who would you say influenced you the most where did you grow up all these amazing things that have made you who you are today yeah well uh good uh good question (laughs) um (laughs) I grew up in the boogie down Bronx. Love it. That's why, I, yeah, one sixty fifth and Gerard, uh, Marcy Place, uh, mm. one hundred and six, uh, what we call La Marqueta in Spanish Harlem. 
Yeah. You know, I, I, there was a, a lot of places. I, I think uh, my mom initially started in Long Island, and then uh, we ended up in Manhattan and made our way to the Bronx, and we, that's where we stood. Uh, and I grew up there. Uh, grew up uh, and ended up in Clinton High School. Most of all uh, New York City knows, uh, at least in the Bronx, where Clinton High School is, uh, dubbed the Governors. Uh, and um, yeah, so so that was uh, that was my upbringing in the city. Who would you say was your influence as a child? Yeah, it had to be my mom, and that's mm. the first thing that I remember having uh, as an adult. Now there are some glimpses of my dad, some happy moments as a kid. You know, mm. going to the basketball court, flying a kite, and because uh, I I was born in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the age of five, we went to uh, New York, but that that was uh, you know. A spot, right? Glimpses. But my mom was the steadfast figure in my life. Um, so, uh, you know, if anything good, bad, ugly, or indifferent, <laughs> I learned from her. So uh, she was it. You know, listen, the boogie down Bronx mm-hmm. was sometimes a tough place to grow up, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I know I had some girlfriends over there as well. So I used to go from, uh, I used to live in Hollis, Queens. So I used to go and I went to Jamaica High School. Hmm. I used to go from Hollis Queens to over the Throgs neck of the Whitestone mm-hmm. Bridge, Whitestone. and I used to go. You know, I had friends all over the in, in the Bronx, and I used to go and hang out there. And it was, to say the least, I hated going over the bridges because it took forever. <laughs> Sometimes, each and every part of the Bronx had different areas. Right, mm-hmm. you had areas where there was burnt down buildings, as I remember. Yep. And then you had areas where there was m- multi-million dollar homes. And it's crazy when you can think of, of an area that's not all that big to have such diversity, if you will, right? Well, I mean, the, everybody has opportunities and depending on how they take them is what their results are. And, yeah, you know, when you say New York is a melting pot, good Lord. I mean, we, mm. we, we do. Uh, exemplify what that looks like, yeah. uh, even in our architecture, right? <laughs> in our building, <laughs> our building uh, maintenance. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it's funny because I went to Hong Kong, mm. and in Hong Kong, it was like there was one building is abandoned and you know dilapidated, and then right. the next building is immaculate, and you're yeah. like. How could you be literally and and the Bronx sometimes was like that? Right. You would have a burnt out, you know, abandoned building, and then the next building full of people working, going to mm-hmm. work, and, and and everything. And you know, it only speaks to uh, the care, right? <laughs> the care that, that some people have, uh, and uh, you know, and the care that some people don't have, mm-hmm. um, and and it shows. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! There was a place, and I've forgotten. There was a place where they had like restaurants, like a row of tons of different amazing restaurants in the Bronx. I'm sure it's still there. Just it's been so many years, probably twenty years since I've been there. And the food, beyond from one restaurant to the next, and all the food was just amazing. So yeah, great memories of the Bronx, really, and I'm sure you had them as well. What would you say if you ever encountered any scary situations while living there? Yeah, that's one that immediately pops mm-hmm. out at me. I was uh, on my way to church with one of my best friends, 
uh, still today. Mm. Uh, we were young, uh, you know, 13, 11, right. you know, between 13 and 15 in there. Um, and it was dark, you know, church goes at night sometimes. And uh, we was on the way there. It was cold because there was ice and snow on the, you know, so it must have been winter. Mm. Uh, and I just remember me and him going, you know, from where we were at Boston Road. Uh, we used to live over there, Tremont Avenue, Boston Road, right. uh, headed down uh, to to church. And then all of a sudden we hear, hey, you know, and that's never good. <laughs> in the dark, in the Bronx, you hear, right. hey, you got two options. You look back or you just run. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> and so we look back. <laughs> Bad decision. Uh, and here comes a group of uh, of guys that don't know, you know. But anyway, we got jumped. Uh, they took his bag. I got hit upside the head with a garbage can. Wow. <laughs> uh, and a, a metal garbage can at that. Oh, boy. Uh, and then after they took his bag, thinking he had something, all he had in there was uh, sheet music because he was a pianist mm. um, as a as a young uh, as a young kid. But yeah, that that. Uh, was uh, uh, something I did not expect <laughs> going to the house of the Lord. <laughs> right, right. But it happens in the Bronx because people, like I said, some care and some don't. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all about the perspective, I guess. Right. <laughs> you decided to become a military man. Mm-hmm. What was the inspiration behind that? What was the thought? What made you do that? Yeah, well, Clinton High School, I mentioned earlier, that's where I, I, I went. Uh, I did not graduate because my mom decided it was a good idea to go head back to Puerto Rico in my 12th year. Mm-hmm. Uh, for whatever reason. But anyway, uh, while I was in Clinton, I was in junior ROTC. They had an Air Force program there. Mm. Always, I, I have always been disciplined in the sense of, you know, make my bed. My mom, like I said, my mom taught me. You know, you uh, there was chores and all that, and and I was the eldest, so I had to set the example as well. And so that experience there at Clinton High School was what laid the foundation. I was actually uh, my plans from there was to go to Cornell, go to uh, the the program up there, get a get a, a degree, uh, and go to uh, their ROTC program and head to the Air Force. That's where I was going, mm. uh, but my mom changed all. <laughs> All of that. <laughs> By moving back to Puerto Rico. Going back to Puerto Rico. I finished there, but uh, I knew that my time there was not uh, going to be long. Mm. Uh, I actually was there for about a year uh, before, and I was already, um, and I did. I went to the Air Force recruiter at the time. You know, the ASVAB test uh, is a is a aptitude test they give you to see what job you may you know, be good for. Uh, they they focus the Air Force focused that on a total AFQT, so the total score. Mm. Uh, the Navy focused on individual markers of the scores. Mm. Um, and so Air Force had a standard 50. If you don't get a 50, you can't come in. I got a 45, I think. Mm. Uh, so they didn't take me. I went the next door, and and Air Force <laughs> and the Navy was like, yeah, they didn't take you, but did, they didn't take into account your scores, your individual scores. Mm. And they say in your individual scores, math and science was out the roof. Mm. And so we need, guess what? We need meteorologists and oceanographers and your scores meet their criteria. You want to go? I was like, yeah, let's go. Wow. We had just went uh, through hurricane uh, to a hurricane and it, it made sense to me. Maybe I'll come back to my island and 
help them out as a meteorologist. Uh, that never happened, but it was <laughs> an excuse to go in. Uh, plus, I was ready to leave the island. It was not my environment, right? Mm, right, right. When we think about opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not just us looking for opportunity, but obviously the Navy saw yeah. that you were a great a person to take an opportunity on. Right. So opportunity presents itself in so many different ways. Right. And did you ever even think that I want to go and be a meteorologist? Right. Probably not. No, that. Yeah. No, the funny is a funny story. I, I went in there and they was like, well, we got a job for you. I said, well, I got I got criteria. Mm. <laughs> you, you have an agenda. I was 18 years old. What criteria? I knew. Anyway, I had criteria. I said. It has to be an office, an mm. office work, right? Because I was not labor intensive. Right. Although I did, I, I was working in construction, but I knew that was not my lot. So I say, hey, it has to be in an office. It has to be air conditioned all the time. And lo- little did I know that that's the, the, the real environment for the, for the uh, meteorologist. All, and, and, and it just has to pay me well, right? I had to, you know. Right, right. Not knowing that there was a pay scale, right? right, right of course. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, I, uh, he goes, yeah, perfect. Yeah, the uh, the AGs, aerographers, mate. Uh, yeah, they work in uh, office environment. It's it's a lot of computers, so it has to be cold. Right. Uh, and and yeah, they pay well. Obviously, <laughs> he said, uh, you know, I didn't know. But anyway, I said, well, then that's it. Then let's go. Let's sign me up. Yeah. And uh, that's how I ended up in there. Wow. Where was, where did you go to boot camp? Boot camp was here in Orlando where I am. Oh, really? Uh, so I, I was, uh, you know, my, my career is what you would call a bookend career. Mm. I started boot camp in Orlando. My very first duty station was Hawaii. Nice. 26 years later, my last duty station was Hawaii. And then I retired to Orlando. Look at that. Full circle, right? Bookend. That's what they call a bookend uh, career. Yeah. Right, right. So you went to Hawaii. Were you stationed in Hawaii the whole 26 years or did you no, move around? No, uh, but 13. So I tried. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were, I, 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 it wasn't because I didn't try. Yeah, 13 years total. Uh, 10 years right off the bat was uh, in Hawaii. But that's because they had multiple sta- uh, stations that I could be at mm-hmm. around. Now, a lot of people don't understand that Oahu, now there are other uh, bases on the other islands, but on Oahu alone, there are 13 installations. Really? 13. Wow. Wow. I, they make sure you can stay. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So you, you, you did your stint. It's not a short stint either, right? 26 years oh, yeah. serving, you know, our country. And, and thank, once again, thank you so much for uh, your service. My pleasure. And, and every, when we think about, you know, a lot of people think about the military that, yes, they're going to be having guns as shooting people, right? Mm-hmm. But there's so many different aspects to the service that a military person does partake in i mean even if you're on an aircraft carrier right you may not be driving um anything you may just be 
helping someone. You may be assisting, right? right. So there's so many different jobs that make a military so strong. And a lot of people don't realize that every single job is important, right? Oh, yeah. So that the machine can function, right? So the machine can move. But it's not one person, right? It's, it's everybody with the same purpose in mind to defend our country in all ways. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's, there's support elements. There's uh, operators, right? Uh, mm-hmm. feet, you know, feet on ground uh, or what they call boots on ground. Right. Uh, but the support element is much larger uh, than that operator piece. Um, but we all operate uh, our particular jobs uh, to make sure that the whole is successful, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the other day uh, I was I was asked, you know, who's more? Everybody's important right. um, because Im- imagine this. Uh, and you just mentioned something that uh, kind of keyed me into this. Uh, it's not about any one person, mm-hmm. but one person can really mess it up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. It, it you know every it takes everybody, but one person could truly mess it up, uh, and you see that a lot overseas. Mm. I can only imagine. Mm, I can yeah, only imagine. <laughs> well, let's hope that person is not in charge. All right. Sometimes <laughs> so, they are. Sometimes they are. <laughs> With with all your training, with all these different things, you came out, you went back to Florida, mm-hmm. right? And you decided to go into business. What was the first type of business that you decided to go into? Yeah, the first and only is the one I, I actually do. Oh, look at that. Uh, which is leadership development. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I decided to go into that because... You know, it's very hard to impact leadership from inside. Yeah. And a lot of people think that you could do that. Hey, I'm going to infiltrate this company and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Good luck. Mm. Good luck. Because there's a lot of ego. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of old blood. There's a lot of old uh, teachings. There's uh, uh, practices. You name it. And it's tough to get into a system and think that you can, you know, uh, sway it enough, um, you know, to, to have the changes that you think they, they, they should uh, embrace. Right. right. Uh, but everybody has ideas uh, and some sy- systems are built uh, not to change. Hmm. And so I decided that I- instead of witnessing uh, the travesty of leadership <laughs> that I <Right>. saw, <laughs> Um, and not all were like that way. They were individual pockets of great leaders um, in the industries that I went and, and worked for, but the majority were not mm-hmm. um, because they just could not be true uh, to leadership. They were true to themselves in the sense of looking out for themselves, uh, but they were not true to leadership and what it calls for a person to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I decided that I will I will do it from the outside. I will uh, invest my time and my efforts and my and my energy into people that were aware and knew that they needed help. And then I would supply the help. When you started your business, right, on leadership, how did you even start? Because a lot of people say, you know, yeah, you, in a way you're infiltrating from the outside, right? Mm-hmm. 
So how did you even start? I mean, did you approach companies? Did you say, this is what I do? Did you have a plan? Because when we think about even for anyone starting any type of business, there is so much that can go into it. And there's so much that can go wrong as well. Right. Oh, yeah. So what was your plan? Yeah, my plan uh, was. So this is what people need to understand if you're ever going into business. At first, nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. Okay. It's your entry is based on your network. Mm -hmm. And so if you are bad at networking and you want to go into business, you better focus on networking first so that you can have a base client, right? Base clients, mm -hmm. folks that know you that know your capabilities and your abilities and are willing to initially build that base for you. Um, in the consulting business, network is key, right? So at first, you're not going to be able to sell your stuff to, to people. Uh, so if you have that pipe dream, that we call, don't do it. Yeah. Understand that in the service-based industry, it is made up of people. And if you cannot establish good relationship with people, you might as well not start. Right. Consider something else, a product-based business, mm -hmm. right? Where you're mm -hmm. selling uh, a, a particular thing um, because you'll sell that faster than you will yourself uh, and your capabilities, abilities to, to people. So I had a good network base. I had a good, good rapport throughout my life with people that made it easy for them to say, yeah, I, I, I would love to work with you. What let's, let's work on something. And everything wasn't monetary. Everything wasn't, you know, so and that's another thing. I'm going to make a million dollars. You may, you may, you know, <laughs> right. stars fall out of the sky all the time. Right? <laughs> but yes. chances are that it will be like a shooting star. Hmm. You catch them every so often. Um, and, and so, uh, have your goals, have your aspirations, but have some sense of reality in, in business because it's not easy. Mm -mm. Uh, and, and you have to start very humble. You can't be hardy. You're going to, you're going to eat a lot of humble pie. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. <laughs> right. And so, so yeah, the, 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 the key to me starting, uh, was a, a good network base and then being aware and knowing and trusting mm. that what I had was worth somebody's ear, you know, that what I had was worth somebody taking a look at it and investing their time in life uh, to see how what I had to share could help them. Um, so, uh, you know, awareness was uh, another thing and, and just bravery, courage, courage to just go do it. You know, you're never going to know. Unless you try. And if you're that type of person that's going to sit up in a bed, I'm not that type of person. I, I'm not going to lay up in a bed uh, at the end of my days uh, uh, just thinking about what I could have done. <laughs> I'm not going to. Um, if it fails, it fails. But it won't be because I lack try. Your work ethic, obviously, is, is commendable. Because you just said it. I'm not going to just like go at the end of the day and lay in my bed and think, oh, I no. You're going to move forward. You're going to find ways, right? Because that's leadership is about leading, right? 
and and sometimes we got to lead from the front, but sometimes we got to lead from the middle. And a lot of times we have to lead from the back. Mm -hmm. Right. And a lot of people don't understand that. And some leaders think that they only lead from the back. And when there is so many different ways to lead, right? You, what would you say was some of the biggest lessons you learned from being in the military as far as leadership goes? Yeah, the, the first lesson that I learned was that a leadership position is nothing if the person in that position does not have the substance of leadership. You can put anyone in any position. And if they don't have that heart for leadership, a mind for leadership, a desire for leadership, then what they will do is play and act in a role that is not for them. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever seen a bad actor in a movie, that's what's happened. They got the role. Mm -hmm. They got put in the, in the play or in the movie and they bombed because it wasn't for them. Right. And what happens? The, the director doesn't have the, the unction enough to say, hey, hold up. We already taped two. <laughs> we had take 10 on this thing. Maybe you're not the one. Yeah. What they do? They let you go and they put the movie out. And, and unfortunately, that's what we do in, in, in organizations. We know this person is not cut out for this role, yet we let them play it out. Mm. And at the end of the day, whoever gets hurt, or the people who get hurt are the people. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the, the true leadership, those that have those decision-making uh, uh, opportunities, don't decide for the people. They decide for their ego and their reputation. You know, what, what, what are they going to say if I fire him now? I just hired him. Well, they, they're going to say thank you. <laughs> yes. That's what they're going to say. Mm -hmm. You know, at least, yeah, you, 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 you know, you, you stumbled, you fell. That's fine, but at least save us. Yeah. Uh, and 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 that's what people. <laughs> what I tell you, um, I I that was the first uh, lesson that it's not the the you know. And at the time, it's not what you had on your collar. Right. It's not what you had on uh, as a pay scale. It, it's it's what you left behind when you left for the day. That's what proved that you were supposed to be there. Mm. Uh, and, and I learned a lot of lessons from people that uh, just shouldn't have been there. So, so leadership, sometimes we may have leaders who by accident became leaders, right? Mm -hmm. So not somebody who really wanted it, but somebody who was placed in a position because of uh, a need instead of a, a, almost like a vetting out, right? Process because real leaders people who want to inspire others that's how i see it anyway that's my my vision of a leader is someone who wants to inspire someone else to become great right that's how i see it that's that's how i i try to train my people that's how i i, I coach i'm not i'm not there to tell you how amazing i am i'm there to tell you how amazing you are and and pull out the best of you because listen we all have great qualities and then we have qualities that maybe we should leave alone right mm -hmm. so uh, you know for me leadership is is definitely what you talked about and there is so much when it comes to and you said before about companies that they want to remain the same right i think leadership is also growth 
What are your thoughts on taking someone who is looking to become a leader, but maybe they're not one yet, and have you work with those type of people? Yeah, uh, we work with those type of people all the time. Oh, there you go. Right? All the time. Um, and that's good because there's a desire. You know, there's, there's a big debate whether people born, people raised, but what, whatever, right? All I can tell you is that I've never found a good leader that did not have the willingness to grow. Mm-hmm. And I didn't I have never ran across a great leader that did not take that growth and put action in it. So there's there's the willingness to. Now, there's some people that don't. They don't want to lead. And we should not force them. If they do not have the DNA of a leader, do not make them a leader. <laughs> Just simple, right? Uh, and and if we stop doing that, we'd be a whole lot better. But what we do, and you mentioned something that's funny, uh, um, the uh, accidental leader or the by chance leader. You know what that is? That's that's poor management on the people that had to put you in that position because some people don't want to and we shouldn't force it. And our inability to, to have enough foresight and be involved in our companies enough to mitigate those moments because we can, uh, people can see things happening and say, okay, well, this guy looks like he's about to bounce. Let's start, you know, having a pipeline. We can't wait to someone just boom, I'm out. Mm. Let's have a, a, a succession uh, type of program here where uh, we could always have a leader in the pipeline grown here locally, where if somebody decided to go, we already know who's coming in. Mm-hmm. It's not a surprise to us, and it won't be a surprise to Joey. <laughs> it's just <laughs> in the mailroom, and he's just like happy because that's his ideal job. And mm-hmm. now we just say, oh, you did that job. Great. Now you can be the boss of this mm-hmm. because it happens, right? It does all the time. Now, Joey would be like, whoa, that's a pay raise. Yeah, I'll go. But he was happy. <laughs> Let him be happy. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and now he gets up there and he's frustrated and he's killing people and 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 with words and actions. Yeah. It's a mess. But anyway, willingness is key for you to become better. And so, but without willingness, no one can help you. Yeah. No one. I don't care if you pay a million dollars to a coach. You just wasted a million dollars because he won't be able to help you. Mm-hmm. And then um, putting action to that willingness is is what will set you apart from those that want to be right. You, you know, it's uh, it, it's very interesting of of the way you brought it about, right? That maybe somebody's looking because they got put into that position and. They said, yeah, I'll take it because the money's good. And they were happy doing what they were doing. Meanwhile, no one told them what the new responsibilities of that leadership are going to be. And all of a sudden, they're overwhelmed. Yeah, They're overworked. They're frustrated. They don't know how to handle people. They don't have the EQ, if you will, right? The emotional intelligence of even how to deal with people. Maybe you're put into a position and and you were just doing your job. And then all of a sudden you have to not only continue to do your job, but now you have to handle 10 other people or 50 more people or a hundred. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. Okay. I have to do my job. Meanwhile, I have to lead these other people into this, this 
venture that we're doing and everybody has different opinions, different ideas, different emotions. And then, you know, how do you even, you know, if, if there's no set standards in place, right? How do you deal with a situation if you've never understood it or no one coached you even how to do it? So I agree with you that a lot of companies don't have the important pipeline, the training, right? Because let's say we do have Joey over there and Tom is, is the boss. Tom's the boss and we're maybe the owners of the company, but we need to have what happens if Tom decides not that maybe Tom decides it's time to retire or maybe Tom decides that he's going to move across the country and, and leave us, right? So we should always have 20 more Toms ready to replace that one Tom, right? And it's not because we don't value Tom. It's because life is unpredictable, right? And we can't have emotions when it comes to leadership. We have to lead because of the, the business, right? If we have a t certain type of business, this business has to run no matter what, right? No matter what Tom decides to do with his life, right? So you're right. Having that training and even maybe calling it leadership training or management training, but everybody should maybe, and you handpick these people, right? Because of their emotional, if you see how they treat other people, if they do a job really well, great. But if they do a, a job really well, but they're not nice to other people, would they be a good leader? Probably not, right? Yeah. And that's a, the, the fallacy of a, of a great technician is that they can be a great leader. Hmm. That's probably one of the biggest lies ever. Correct. But can there be a great technician that also has a heart for leadership? Because that's really what it, it, leadership will require your entire heart. Oh, yeah. it, it will, uh, you will be sapped. <laughs> of energy <laughs> when you're doing leadership right mm -hmm. you're going to be spent right so there's a lot that has to be considered before you jump on that pay raise because sooner or later you're not going to have if you don't if you're not tied to a well where you dip you know dip in for water every time you you run dry right you're going to run out and then it's going to come out in your performance. It's going to come out in the way you treat people. It's going to come out in the way you think about your job, right. you know? Uh, uh, and so you have to be careful as companies to have that succession type of training where you can uh, build your leaders uh, from, from inside. Um, and then also take into account that person, that person's needs, his, their desires. If they don't want to be a leader, don't force them. Yeah, I agree. 100%. You know, you're going to be in trouble. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, you might have two or three people leave at the same time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you know, one of the things is that I do train people to become black belts, right? Mm -hmm. But not all people who become a black belt can be an instructor. Mm. Because, and you said, they may be a good technician. They may be able to perform really well. Yeah. But they don't have the people skills at all. At heart, at heart for people. Yeah. I, I, I hear a young, a, a young man and he says, I hate this. I hate that. And I hate this. 
I already know what's in his heart. Hate. Hate. Mm. He says it all the time. And I'm like, it's it's going to be a hard thing to sell me on that you care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is. It's gonna, Now, I, I'll believe what you say, right? But your actions are going to contradict you sooner or later. And so some people are just not, don't have the heart for leadership. And that's okay. That's perfectly okay. Everybody has their, their spot yeah, at, to making this wheel go round. Everybody, mm. right? So I, I acknowledge it. And you should even be praising the fact that they are willing to tell you that that's not what they want to do. Exactly. <laughs> you should be like, well, good for you, man. You know how many people I run across that don't know what they want to do? At least you do. Mm. Acknowledge it. Give them praise and let them roll. Let them yeah. do whatever whatever they want to do, yeah. uh, because that's where they're going to be the happiest. Um, right. Exactly. You know, and as organizations, it's up to you to make sure that you have the proper pe people in the seat. Um, but if you're doing these uh, ad hoc, you know, from the hip type of decisions, when you're talking about putting people in leadership, shame on you. Mm. You're going to get what you're going to get. Yeah. It's going to come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's talk about leadership and public speaking. Mm -hmm. Because for me, public speaking is so important. Yeah. And, you know, when I'm training someone to become a leader, right? Because I, I have a team, it's called uh, SWAT. And SWAT stands for Special Winning Attitude, right? And one of the things they must go through is public speaking in order because if they're going to be in front of other people they need to not only have empathy but they have to lead with their heart and you talked about if they have hate or if they use the words because a lot of the times you know public speaking does teach you how to use certain words mm -hmm. but they should come from the heart too right, right? so uh, i've heard like you said people say hate and so i question them and i say what does that mean to you what is that word mean to you and they're like well i don't like it i said there's there's a difference between like and hate mm -hmm. i say if you need something you need to be more specific as to your words so i do teach the you know public speaking to to my swat i also make sure that anybody who's going to be in a leadership position understands how to communicate you know we all know how to communicate when it comes to love right if we want to date someone we somehow stumble in the beginning, right, through the words that we need to use to ask somebody even on a date. It depends on, on your nervous factor, right? If you're nervous. I even teach my staff on it's, it's okay to be nervous, but really it's not nervous. You're excited. Let's change this, rephrase that word of nervous to excitement. So how important is communication? one and public speaking two in a leadership position yeah it's immensely important mm. um the only way you can actually allow your team to know what you're thinking is by speaking the problem arises that we don't know how to even speak to ourselves at times you know if, if you go around downing yourself mm -hmm. doubting yourself um you know, using yourself in a negative connotation, what are you going to do with others? Right. 
right? So you have to get, and especially in communication, you have to get grounded. Can you speak to yourself in an admonishing uh, uh, and and uplifting way? Um, uh, uh, can you support yourself? You know, with with good and praiseworthy talk, um, not to uh, you know grease the skid or, or, or sugarcoat stuff. That's not what I'm talking. I'm talking about, can you affirm yourself? Because if you cannot affirm yourself mm. and support yourself, you're not going to support somebody else. Right. Uh, you'll, you'll get tired because you're going to be faking it. Mm -hmm. um, but if you can, and now you're transitioning to speaking to your team and things like that, then you can do it. You've done it before. You do it with yourself. Uh, but it is immensely important to know how to communicate, to know what communication your team requires, not just you delivering. How do they accept communication? You know, so it, that, that's even more important <laughs> than you yapping <laughs> yeah. at your team, right? Mm -hmm. um, because you can be eloquent, but if it's above their head, what are you doing? Right? Uh, my my family sometimes says, "Oh, my daughter, she goes, Dad, I, I, I'll listen to you all day, but sometimes it goes like right here. <laughs> you use words that I can't even relate to, mm. <laughs> and so now I have to be conscious that the the hearer has a communication acceptance style. Right? What is it?" Before I start throwing words at them, what is their style? What will they accept? What will go over their head? What will be effective for me to give out so that this team can succeed? Because their success is yours, but you have to set them up for that success. Right. And if as a leader, you're not communicating effectively, efficiently, timely, thoroughly, Clearly, you will lose your team just by you, <laughs> you communicating. Right. I agree. W one of the things that, that I've always seen is a, a great leader has communication, but it goes both ways. Mm -hmm. Not only are you able to be clear on the message that you are delivering to your team, but sometimes you have to really it's like you have to get bigger ears to listen <laughs> to what your team or anyone you're leading. A team could be you, right? Let's say you're a solopreneur, right? And you talked about it before. What words are you using how, to yourself? When we speak first, importantly, to ourselves, right? The words we even think, the communication we have with ourselves, the love that we have for ourselves. Where are we looking outwardly and who are we looking to? The words that come back to us, how do we even interpret them, right? So that communication to me is, is a two-way street because are we hearing the messages that are coming in? Because someone, and that's where the empathy comes in, that's where the emotional intelligence comes in where we have to listen to what the other person is truly saying. And one of the things I teach my leaders is listen to hear, but listen to understand. I think that, that's a, a very important key element to a, a leader 
to truly listen to the people that they are leading. Before your people want to hear you, they want you to hear them. Mm -hmm. The best and loudest voice that I've ever heard was the voice of silence. Loud. Have you ever, you know, you'll say something and there's just complete silence. It's deafening. It is. <laughs> it'll drive you mad. It'll drive you mad if you're not used to it. But it's so powerful, profound. I mean, it will it will take you out of your place if if you're not if you're not expecting it, you know. And a person that thinks more them than themselves will go in there and say something and nobody says a thing. You've been invalidated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you. You've been cut. You, you might as well just forget about it. You're not the <laughs> boss no more. The team wants to be heard because they have the solution. The leader doesn't have the solution or else don't have a team, <laughs> right? Yeah. Don't have a team. If you have the solution, don't have a team because yeah. you're just going to frustrate people. Mm -hmm. Your team has the solutions, but in order for you to actually extract that solution, you got to listen. How many people have not, been nothing but complained about my boss don't listen. They keep doing the same thing and they just don't listen. We've been saying it at all the town halls, at all the meetings, at all the, we've been saying it. They just don't listen. And if there's anything that the that leadership, let me just say this. If there's anything that positional leadership has got against them is that they won't listen. Right. Ask anybody. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've been in meetings and uh, reoccurring meetings over and over and over again, where one person spoke, no one else, they didn't leave any space for anyone else to speak. And it, it was almost like a sermon. And listen, I, I love sermons. But if it's a meeting, <laughs> it's not, it's, it's not a sermon, right? But right. I've been, I've been in a lot of meetings where they say we're coming together because we want to discuss these things, but only one person speaks. You're right. That, that person is not listening except to themselves mm -hmm. and what they're hearing. They think it's glorious. They think that it's, I have all the answers. Meanwhile, why call a meeting if you're just going to talk and not listen? Right? Yeah. They, they, you know, I often refer to those as pharaohs, right? So let it be. <laughs> Uh, yes written so let it be done um and uh that that type of leadership is prevalent it is my question is when are the people gonna say enough now they did right we had a period in the last three years that people said okay that's enough I, i'd rather be home matter of fact i'll be safer at home so bye they quit you know and and by by the millions Yes. It wasn't like a group of a hundred left the workforce. No, millions, four million people at a time. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. And a lot of that had to do with I'm tired. Mm -hmm. And now I have an opportunity and I'm going to go home, be with my family, get this unemployment. <laughs> right. Right. Because it's available. I'm going to get this benefit. The government's doing this, then the other. And I don't have to put up with you no more. Mm -hmm. A lot of people left because they just got fed up and had an opportunity. Right. They've been waiting for it. 
you know, yeah. <laughs> now, you know, COVID was not a good thing. A lot of us lost a lot of family members. Mm -hmm. You know, I lost my mom and all that. So it wasn't a good thing. No. But even in the bad things, there are opportunities. And so a lot of the workforce said, I'm through with you. They What they did was they fired their bosses. <sighs> they fired their leaders. They fired them. Bye. I'm out. And we set that up by all the things that we've discussed, you know, putting people in the wrong place because of your mismanagement, putting people in the wrong place because you didn't know them, uh, allowing them to stay in that place because of your ego, <laughs> right? It, it all boils down to the upper leadership. Right? Oh, yeah. And, 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 and then you get to this place where people can't even, don't want even, they don't even want to talk. Matter of fact, they're showing up there. They're just letting you talk oh, yeah. so they can go back to whatever they were doing, you know, prior to you bringing them out of this, their spot. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I had, a, I had a situation where I was at a company for six years and I was uh, hired for a specific job. I was never allowed to do the job I was hired for. Imagine that. I know, but I was paid well. Oh yeah. And when I, I I said, you know, I'm going to give him a chance. I'm going to give him a chance. I'm going to, and, and this is one of the jobs that I used to go to these meetings and they're like, how come these things are not being done? There's nobody allowed anybody to talk, right? So that's one of the places. And when I finally gave my, my, uh, my notice, the owner of the company who I interviewed with came and wanted to know why when I was so gifted and I was this and I was that. And I was, and so my position was, you are talking to me now. I said, it took you six months to realize I was even here. I said, I've been here. I've been trying to make noise. I've been trying to let you use my capabilities. And she says to me, but you're so gifted. This is why I hired you. I said, yes, I understand that. But you never let me shine. You never allowed me to voice myself. So. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm out. And she said, well, do you have a job already? I said, yes. She goes, I'll match what they're going to pay you. I'll say, and she goes, I said, uh, no, thank you. I said, because I'm a person of my word and I already gave my word to them and they are going to actually listen to me and they're going to hire me. Well, they actually hired me already for what you initially hired me. And I would have loved to stay with you because you personally, you are great, but the people that you have in charge, not so good. So I let her know, but then I wished her well and, you know, I went. But she could have had so much more of me had she had the right people in place to use me for the reason she hired me. So their management was flawed because how many other people did they do that to? Maybe after me, maybe not. Maybe I opened her eyes to the type of management team she had. So, and don't get me wrong. Yes, I went somewhere else. And yes, I did make more money. And yes, they used me. They used my talents the way they promised they would. And I was happy. So it, it, it just goes to show up a management that even though you may have a great team, sometimes you also have to kind of keep an eye out, right? They, they represent you. Mm -hmm. whether you like it or not. And so as a, as a, an executive, an executive, 
um, and you have people under you that manage your people, yada, yada, yada. You never notice, you know, the person for six months. <laughs> Shame on you as an executive, you know, right? Mm -hmm. you, you hire somebody and then you just let them go. But it happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, they'll blame their schedule. That's BS. Right. A, a person is important. You'll take out time. Even mm -hmm. if it's like once a month. Hey, how you doing? You know, yeah, it's been 30 days. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's talk about, it. let's talk about something. But anyway, mm -hmm. um, uh, shame on leadership for not following through with the, with the people they have on as, as the, as the managers of their, their flock, their people, yeah. you know, the workers. Um, and that's how a lot of things get, uh, you know, put under the rug and, and by the wayside, but w w we have a lot to learn in leadership but the most important thing we need to learn in leadership is that not everybody's cut out for it you should not have everybody thrown into it and if you do then they become your responsibility mm -hmm. and you should be following up with them and making sure they have the tools to allow them to succeed and then they have the tools for their teams to succeed that's your that's your lot right okay. and so and enrique so you know, I, I know that you are helping companies with their leadership, even maybe helping them really redefine sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Redefine, yeah. because maybe they think they have a good leadership in place, but maybe they don't. Would you mind sharing with us, maybe put in the private chat and I'll throw it up here, your contact information. So anybody listening, because we have a lot of leaders who are here, who, who talk to us who reach out even to me and we can share with them what it is that is necessary, right? How you can help them really take a look at their leadership and, and who, who's, who's the right person for them even, right? Yeah. I, I put uh, uh, my website uh, where they can actually go and, and look at the services that I provide. They can even book calls there. If they want individual coaching or they can inquire about team development or just executive coaching, right? Uh, where it's separate uh, and, and almost clandestine, right? <laughs> where, where we uh, uh, protect the identity of the executive so that they can feel free to get the level of education and training that they need. Um, but for those that are looking to just you know, get a glimpse of what I speak about and how I speak about it and uh, the different topics that I cover. They can go to my YouTube channel, uh, the DTLW podcast. Uh, and I speak every week about some topic. Now I go around everything. I do everything uh, in terms of covering leadership from different angles because leadership is not a one linear thing. It's so dynamic because it requires a person and a person is so dynamic. We bring different flavors. You know, I bring a musician's standpoint from uh -huh. when you talk about leadership, right? I, I bring flavor and music and, and all of that. My counterpart may not, mm -hmm. it may not like music. Right. And so it's so dynamic. How, wait a minute. How can you not like music? <laughs> There's some people that <laughs> some people just don't like noise and uh, you know, but, um, so in that channel, I bring every aspect that could possibly impact a leader uh, and how to use those aspects 
to improve their leadership so they can go there. Nice, nice. You know, when we talk about leadership, a lot of us are thinking, wow, leadership, yes, business, ownership, all these different things. But leadership can can carry it over into our homes, into our personal lives, like you talked about a minute ago. And how do you run your own household sometimes can be the same way or different to how you run a business. I know a lot of leaders that, you know, they leave their home and they go to their business and they're running sometimes their business the same way they run their home, but it does not call for it. It is a different environment, right? You can have certain concepts and ideas and strategies, but it's not the same, right? Because your spouse or your partner is not your employee, right? So. I think that we also have to differentiate where and how we lead, right? Well, there are elements of it, of that relationship. Now, I'll tell you this. If your leadership is not started at your house, you're already going down the wrong road. Mm-hmm. I, if I see that you badmouth your wife. I'll forget it. And, and, and you talk down about your kids, I can expect no better. <laughs> When you talk about me mm-hmm. and now I'm going to question whether I need to be under you and what are you saying? Yeah. You know, so that level, that type of leadership happens at home first. Your, your home is your first company. You know, we often say you are the CEO of your life. Well, if you're the CEO of your life and you are abusing your life, guess what I can expect from you mm. with your company. Right. So leadership starts at home and it's it's funny one i had this thing come up my wife uh i was on uh and we we had invited uh, uh, uh you know in the military people make rank and when they make e7 they make chief in the navy so i invited that group over to the house because now they're transitioning into a more re, you know now they can call me enrique before they had to call me senior chief right but uh, so now they can and, and so you kind of uh, uh, facilitate that they were at the house and uh, they saw me engage with my family. Mm. And while I was not in the room, somebody came to my wife of that group and said, is this how he is all the time? Like this nice? <laughs> and uh, she goes, yeah. And if he's anything else, you better keep it where you got it. <laughs> yes. And then, but that evening, he said, hey, baby, let me talk to you about something. I said, yeah, what's going on? We had that group. It was nice. You know, we, I really enjoyed seeing them, young guys and gals, you know, coming into their own and becoming this and the other. But this one cornered me. I was like, oh, boy, what? <laughs> <laughs> what about? <laughs> and um, she told me what happened. Mm. And I was so ashamed, mm. so ashamed that the next day, I gathered them all up in my office and I apologized to all of them. Mm. Every one of them. I said, a leader is the same in his house and he should be the same at his work site. If you have two people representing you, you are divided and you and your leadership will not stand. And so I let, and I gave him that lesson mm. and you could be, you could and it was because at work in a military setting, and you, you mentioned about work and business, 
if you're a leader, you better be the leader, the same at your house as the same at your job. And this is what I mean by that. They should not see two people. They should never see. No one should ever. And I I tell my kids, I said, my goal in life is that when we get to my funeral, because it's coming, that when you hear people speak about me, that that man is not foreign to you. Yeah. That you can say, yep, that was my dad. Mm. And that's beautifully said. And, 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 you know, so that's my goal. And I, and I talk to my children about it um, so that they understand that. But uh, from that day on, I was, I was the same. I was the same. And it may wonder. So that happened for a reason, right? Um, for my betterment and for their betterment, right? right? Because now I became more of who I really was. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't this, you know, uniform, you know, chest full of medals and, right, right, right. you know, this thing, because we confuse that people need people to lead them. And in order for you to be a person that can lead, you have to be a person that is led by your heart and some data, right? <laughs> you can't just be it all heart. <laughs> exactly. So, but heart first, heart first, because like I said earlier, Leadership will demand your entire heart. Right. But if it's divided, your people are going to, they're going to miss out. Right. No, beautifully said. And I, I agree with you 100%. I always consider leading with your heart, right? For me, w- when I was talking about the difference that, you know, at home and in business, right? Because maybe at home, you, you're more kiddish, right? You're more fooling around kind of thing. Right, right, right. But in a business environment, maybe you shouldn't be, right? So you have to know the place of where you're a little bit more relaxed, right? You, you got to command that person that spoke to your wife. And they were actually giving you a compliment and going, wow, I see his other side. We like him already. And the only reason they accept it is they went to your home because they liked you. If they didn't like you, they would have right. made an excuse, right? So they liked you already. They just never saw that other side of you, right? right. And and it was great that he said something because it, it shone a light on you to say, wow, this is how I'm seen. This is, and that's not what you ever imagined, right? It kind of, it probably caught you off surprise, right? Well, yeah, I, well, I, I did foster an environment of feedback mm-hmm. right so they were comfortable enough to to say that because m- most people wouldn't right, right. they're right. guests in your house and that's a yeah. you know that's senior's wife and you don't want to yeah yeah right, right. you know so there's a but uh i fostered that at the command uh it, that was not the foreign part of the, the the part uh that i i didn't give them my all correct right so they did not see my full capacity uh, and, uh, and they were worthy of it. Mm-hmm. You know, they were worthy of the times. And I'll tell you from that point on, there was times that people came in and we both cried. We both cried. They were sharing things and, and, and we, you know, boohooing and, uh, and, and I even took the time out to pray with them mm-hmm. if they so were inclined. Um, uh, and, and it made, it made a world of a difference. Enrique, I got to tell you, man, I'm, I'm having a blast talking to you. I, I love your perception and your interpretation of what a leader is, right? And like you talked about earlier, there's so many different facets yeah. of leadership, right? Because there's also different ranks, if you will, right? Talking yeah. military style, right? Because 
there are different levels. Um, certain people need to be guided because they're not ready, right? So, for example, e even if we take somebody who is just enlisted in the military and it's their third day, they should not be put into a leadership position at all because they don't even know where the latrine is, right? <laughs> so, but eventually, if they show the quality, and it shouldn't be because you've been there a certain amount of time, right? And some leaders are put into position of leadership because they've had so many years. Oh, it's time for them to become a leader instead of the quality of their knowledge. You know, if they have passion behind what they're doing and if they actually can lead someone. Because I can only imagine in the military, especially special ops even, right? If you're going into a hostile environment, who's going to be your leader? Is it just going to be the guy who's going to be not looking out for his other team so they don't get killed? Or is it that forethinking of, if we go here, this is going to happen. If we go there, that's going to happen. And leadership comes from experience, but not only your experience, but I think listening to others who've already done it, right? Because if you've never gone into a hostile environment and it's your first time going, you may want to ask questions ahead of time. So you have an idea, you know, like if I'm entering and my gun is out when I turn the corner, is that the right way to do it? Or should my gun be close to me? Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I know some of these things just because of my own training. But if you don't know and you just go with your guns out, as you turn the corner, somebody's going to knock that gun out of your hands mm -hmm. and then you're stuck. Right. So it, it's it's all those little things that a coach like yourself, who's been there, who's done it. That's why I love coaching so much, because we need to align ourselves with someone who has the experience, who understands where we want to go, right? If I want to go into a hostile environment, I don't want to ask somebody who's never been in it. Mm -hmm. What do I want to ask? I'm sure. <laughs> right? I want to ask a vet. I want to ask somebody who's been in it, not one time, but maybe 20, 30, 50, 100 times. Yeah. That's the person I want leading me. And that's you, my friend. No, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, great compliment. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm humbled by it. And, you know, you, you, you bring up a, a, a thing. It, there are people that have been there. Mm -hmm. Seek them out. Don't be afraid to invest in yourself to get where you want to be. Or else you'll be performing insanity, right? The same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Um, and you know, try maybe that culture ain't is not for you. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Try another one, um, but always invest in yourself and your ability to become better. Uh, your people will praise you for it. You know, I want to thank you for today. I, I had a blast getting to know you a little bit. We will have to sometime go to the Boogie Down Bronx together. You know. Oh yes. Check out that restaurant row. You know. Oh my goodness. I'll, I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> I'm an eater. <laughs> yeah, likewise. So any last words for anybody who either is looking to become a leader 
or who is currently a leader and needs some guidance? Yeah, the best thing I could advise is be truthful to yourself. Mm. If you know where you are in your leadership journey, if you're struggling, look, raise your hand just like we did in, in school and say, I need help. Mm -hmm. I cannot keep doing this. I'm hurting people. I'm destroying careers. I'm hurting myself. Um, ask for help. Don't be egotistical and, and just be quiet and grind. Ask for help. You can get the help. Don't be afraid. Mm. Because let's say you're not afraid and you get, you know, let's say you get fired. Right. You know who's going to benefit? You are. All those who are leading poorly and you mm. and you, because now you can go do what you really wanted to do. And don't chase the money. Money will come. Chase your passion. Yeah. That's really where you're going to get both money and bene life benefits, right? So yeah. be truthful and chase your passion. Yeah. And, you know, th there's nothing wrong with money. Yeah, no. no. The, at the end of the day, right, when you do pass, you don't take that money with you, right? Nope. Not at all. Live a life worth living. One that you can maybe die with a smile on your face, right? Mm -hmm. That would be... That, that would be a great gift yep. to not only you, but to everybody around you as well, right? Yep. All right, my friend, thank you so much. You thank have an you. amazing, amazing rest of your day. You too. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back with a new episode and a new guest. You can find all episodes of the Coaching Call podcast on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I ask that you please leave me an honest review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. <laughs>